Everybody, this is Craig Hostetler. Welcome to the Black Sheep Experience. This is episode number fifteen, and uh, I'd like to welcome you today. So, I uh, had some unfulfilled uh, plans this week on the podcast, and uh, we're going to try to get those worked out. Uh, I couldn't connect with um, my guest uh, today, and so. We're gonna wing this because I uh, I want to keep the communication, the lines of communication open, and so I thought we'd just uh, have a little chat today here in the underground. All right, um, it is snowing outside, and uh, man, I'm just not excited about that at all. I am not a fan of winter uh, at all. And uh, so it's way too early in the year for snow. I'm not excited about it. And uh, yeah, that's what it is. You know, I think that it's beautiful when it's falling. Don't get me wrong. I think that it's that it's so pretty when it's coming down. But uh, after that, I'm pretty much over it. I, I'm not uh, I'm not a snow person. Anyway, uh, a couple of quick things before we jump into our discussion. Uh, if you haven't liked us on or followed us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, please go and do that, man. That's a big deal, and I would really appreciate it. it takes what thirty seconds. So jump on there and do that. And in addition to that, uh, connect uh, with us. Let us know that you're out there, and share the podcast with your friends, man. I would really. I would really appreciate it. It would be a big deal to me if you could help me do that. Trying to promote the podcast, and that's hard to do when you don't have any funds. Uh, And uh, so, yeah, I need your assistance in doing that. Uh, So you can find us, obviously, at the Black Sheep Experience on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, fairly active on all those platforms. And we would, uh, well, I would really love to hear from you. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting peacefully in the woods of Eureka Springs, Arkansas. And um, I told you a podcast or two ago about how much we love that town. And uh, it's just the coolest little town, man. They got a great presentation of the Passion of the Christ and then... um, uh, Mud Street Cafe, Basin Park, the Crescent Hotel, uh, local flavor. I mean, just so many great places down there uh, to uh, th- that are just staples for us. Have you ever had creme brulee? Oh my gosh, dude! Uh, there's a place in Eureka Springs called the Local Flavor. It's a restaurant, and uh, I don't have creme brulee anywhere but there but I do have it there that stuff is incredible man if you've never had creme brulee you gotta I know that sounds that sounds sounds so uppity just to say it but you've got to try it it's it is phenomenal anyway uh 
yes, yeah, so just this great little town. So I'm just sitting uh, on the back deck of our uh, accommodations, and um, I'm contemplating uh, what it means to be connected to the divine. Um, for so many of us, I think that we have a hard time accepting the idea that we're connected to the divine. I think that we have a, a very difficult time believing that God really loves us. And for so many of us, life is just this a series of worries and it's a series of disappointments and it's a series of uh of failures right we we begin to feel i think isolated even when we're with friends and family um for for so many of us we find ourselves very isolated in the incidents that surround us right whether there are uh, deep wounds or, or 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 pain um Trouble on the job, trouble in the, in the marriage, uh, maybe problems with the kids, uh, maybe trying to overcome past hurts, right, that, that have been inflicted upon us. And there's just this enduring anxiety for all of us that haunts the days of uh, our lives. And we turn to God, obviously, we the wounded ones. Um, in an ever-absolving way. And sometimes God disappoints, right? Or, or sometimes things don't turn out. Well, there just doesn't... The sensation of healing isn't there. Um, and that creates, I think, more... Uh, greater feelings of failure. Greater feelings of disappointment. Disillusionment. You know, in the scripture, right, in the Bible, Jesus said, I have come for the sick. And there is this kind of powerful theme of restoration in the scriptures. It's a theme um, for everyone, right? All of us who have fallen, all of us who have been hurt, all of us who have been betrayed, uh, for those of us who experience, uh, have experienced pain or heartache, right, to the scandal-ridden, the not good enoughs. The uh, the oops, I did it again, right? Um, to the black sheep, um, to all of us inevitable failures. There seems to be this constant theme of restoration found in in the scripture, and there seems to be this theme that we are loved in this everlasting and comprehensible overabounding way um, with this unfathomable grace. Uh, and even though I think that that's a constant theme in the New Testament, it's not a theme that I think plays out very well in our emotional well-being. And in our everyday lives, you know, there's a there's a word in the Greek called agape, and agape, uh, I'm sure, is a word that you've heard of, but it honestly doesn't translate that well into English. Now, it's a Greek word, 
And I, I don't think that we entirely understand what that word encompasses, uh, uh, all that agape truly is. Um, it's love without dilution, uh, for lack of a better phrase. It's this ever-enduring, ever-giving, always-present, never-surrendering, divine love. And it's a love that exists in spite of, you know, our, our actions. Uh, it's a love that exists in spite of our failures. You know, there's some inter- interesting, I think, scriptures. Um, Romans 5 and 8, the Bible says, God commends his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now listen, um, I want to say this. Don't be put off by uh, the scripture. I think that so many of us have been so abused by this book, so abused by um, mean-spirited people who call themselves this label of Christian that sometimes now when we hear the scripture it just uh, it's just kind of yucky right Blech. but actually if you if you let your ideas of what the Bible is dissolve and fade away and accept it for what it truly is which is a, a, a collection of letters written by specific individuals to other individuals, sometimes to other groups of individuals, and and you hear the words of those letters as opposed to the translation given of those words by people who don't know any better. That's That's a wordy sentence. But if you just listen, for instance, Romans 5 and 8, God commends or shows his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. First John 4, 9 uh, and 10, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have uh, eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Now, what John is saying there is you got to understand God loves you uh in an overabunding way. And this is real love. He didn't love us because we loved him. He loved us because he loved us. And I think that that's important because for a lot of us, we think that the love of God is conditioned upon performance. We think the love of God is conditioned upon getting it right and overcoming hangups and overcoming sometimes our own selves. You know, one of the things I found extremely frustrating is the obstacles, the definitions, the requirements that we place on people in order for them to be included in the group of people that love God. Uh, I have a thought, but I'm going to come back to it. I want to share another scripture with you. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So the object of God's agape love um, never performs good enough, stands strong enough, or fails miserably enough to change in the most minuscule of ways uh, how much 
God loves us. And that's a powerful truth. It's a critical point of living in life. We are loved, you and I, and uh, uh, that cannot ever change. Nothing we do can alter nor separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Um, In Romans 8, Paul the Apostle said, For I am convinced that neither uh, death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, First of all, God loves the whole world, right? God loves everybody, um, and in Rome, and not just the not just the elect either, which is uh, uh, an interesting way of labeling those who are Christians, right? But instead, Romans five and eight says that God uh, showed His love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God loved us while we were not quote-unquote, the elect, and he died for us. Now, the reason I bring that up is because we met uh, a group of, well, a couple of people and went out and um, and had a conversation, right? Now, I will be, uh, dude, I always feel weird whenever I talk about this. It's always weird bringing this up, but I'm not ashamed to tell you. We went out and we had uh, several glasses of wine <laughs> And um, I don't remember what else, possibly a margarita, but we had, we had several things to, to, uh, we, that we partook of. And we begin to have this conversation about God. And lo and behold, dude, I don't know how this always happens to me. And God bless you, sweet, loving, wonderful Calvinists out there. And I have several friends that are Calvinists, and they're, and they're wonderful people, right? They just, uh, one of them is just a uh, that I know is just an absolute beautiful soul. Absolutely. Uh, but if you've listened to this uh, to this podcast long enough, you know that I just detest that theology, dude. So uh, we're having drinks with these people. One, great people, by the way. Just had a blast. We just laughed and laughed and uh, had the best time. But we get to talking about God and we get to talking about what I believe, which is always a showstopper for whatever reason. Uh, so we're so we're talking about what I believe, and the dude starts like talking about what he believes, and uh, it's just going on and on. And I'm like, dude, you're a Calvinist, and he goes, well, you know, I don't like to call it that, <laughs> but that's what he was. He's you know, he admitted that's that's what he is. And we begin to have this conversation about who makes it and who doesn't, and all this kind of stuff, and um, you know how wrong I am. Uh, not really. He was cool about it, but. Um, it still just does not set well with me. And I think it comes down to stacking theology uh, on the priority staircase. Stacking theology higher uh, than people. And uh, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't think that's godly. I don't think that's what God had intended. I think in my own philosophical, introspective way, 
it is difficult for us to accept that God is love. Can we accept that He is love? Uh, you know, the Bible definition of it. Uh, long-suffering, kind, patient, uh, keeps no record of wrongs, never never gives up, never fails, all those kinds of things. And it's not, it's not a question that can be considered lightly. And it may be, possibly, the most important question you need to honestly answer. Does God love you? And pause for a moment there. Consider what that means. Consider the answer to the question and how it affects you and your life right now and the things that happened in the past and the future, even on into eternity. Does God love you? If God really loves you in a way that possesses no limits, is truly unconditional, then this changes everything. And it's the most significant attribute. Um, it's the most significant attribute of, of you. Because it means you are loved. It means you are accepted. You are adored. You are part of the family. You are God's. You know, for centuries, man, church, governments have grappled and wrestled with what is God's love. From, from staunch legalism to genocide to wars to burning witches, to hanging witches, supposed, uh, to intense cultural oppression in the church um, and in the world, right? They have all, including myself and you, we have all struggled with this truth, this incredible truth. Does God love us? All of us, every one of us. For whatever reason, we struggle with this and we fight with it. And um, to me, it seems some have an absolute refusal to dare consider such a premise. But does God love you? This lack of acceptance... Uh, it, it causes a myriad of self-mutilating behaviors, uh, jealousy, insecurity, um, violence, all because we don't, deep down within us, we don't feel loved, we don't feel precious, we don't feel accepted. So... The time has come. Does God love us? All of us. Meditate on it, man. Uh, pray about it. Discuss it. Tear it apart. Dissect it. The answer will rule your world. Absolutely. If you live your life as a cast out, if you live your life as a failure, if you live your life as a loser, if you live your life as a... Um, something detestable in the eyes of God, unacceptable, all those kinds of things. That, I believe, and, I, and I'm not backing this up with science, and I don't have all that, and I'm not, and that's not what 
today is about. If this resonates with you, man, it resonates with you. If it doesn't, you know, shut it off. But I believe the answer will rule your world, man. Whether or not you're accepted, loved, or dejected, rejected, and absolutely bound for hell. Uh, I read this earlier, but First John 4, uh, chapter 4, right? We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. God is love, and all those who live uh, in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we'll not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Uh, incredible, right? The Bible tells us if we have fear, it's because we've not fully experienced God's perfect love. And it, now you need to look into that. What is what is God's perfect love? It, this may be the most profound statement to resonate within the walls of our mind and, and in our spirit. And stop and think about it for a moment. Are you still trying to measure up? You have more love to accept. Are, are you still scared to death about hell and the grave and the day of judgment and the rapture and all that? Then, man, you have more of his love that you need to receive. Are you still afraid that you're not good enough, that you're not accepted, that, uh, that you're not God's, that he's not listening, that he doesn't care? Then you still have more of his love that you have to learn how to receive. And it may take a lifetime of work. And you, you, know, you need to think about this. It, it may take a lifetime of work to grow to new levels of accepting his love, of accepting his life. Um, it's interesting to me because... Um, we read about this unfathomable, liberating love, right? We read that God is love. Um, and yet for centuries, this has been a real war. You know, who's in, who's out, who really knows God and who doesn't. Um, you know who's the sacred and who's the unholy, all those kinds of things. So much so that there have been wars fought over this, people killed and destroyed, inquisitions, all kinds of things uh, based on who's in and who's out. What, what if we got rid of that language? What if instead of trying to save the world with theology, we tried to heal it? with love what if instead of trying to save the world with theology we tried to heal it with love imagine what that would look like 
Imagine how that would play out. Imagine how that would work with those that you were in opposition to. Imagine how that would work with, you know, what you consider to be a reprobate, a heretic, an abomination. Um, If instead of shoving theology and trying to blanket people with legislation, trying to blanket people with, you know, a three-step process to really being, you know, a Christian. What if we tried to heal him with love? Um, that's an interesting concept, and, and I don't think it's one that we, that we work with too often. You know, I, um, one of the things that has through my my years of pastoral ministry and and still to this day one of the things that really bugs me man that really just honestly breaks my heart you know is when someone feels like god doesn't love them and most times it's based on something someone said you know at sunday school or in a sermon or you know, while they were at a Bible study or while they were being witnessed to, somebody somewhere along the line convinced them, you know, you're not good enough. You're not right enough. And essentially, you can't be loved because of your situation. And oftentimes I've seen the pain in those individuals' eyes. I've seen the hurt that exists because everybody wants to be loved and loved. And so many people, I think, actually have an innate desire to connect with the divine. And there's just these obstacle after obstacle after obstacle that we put that we place in front of God. You get through this, maybe. You get through this, maybe. Get rid of this, maybe. You change this, maybe. And all these things. And what it ends up doing is it, it creates this animosity. It creates this internal sense of rejection. It creates all these kinds of things where uh, most atheists, I think, not all, and I'm not trying to blanket you guys out there or label you or... or uh, Uh, subtract from your intellect. But let's say this, a lot of atheists, the first step was pain. The first little nudge, the first little shove um, was some prick with a Bible. And it just got to be too much. It just got to be too intense. And somewhere along the way, they realized this can't be real. Can't be. And that was the first step, man. That was the first nudge in the uh, in the direction of unbelief. You know, Rob Bell, um, in one of his books, and I can't remember which one, but um, he said some gods are worth killing. And I always thought that was a great line. 
There are some versions of God that absolutely need to die. There are some versions of God that inspire atheism, some versions of God that uh, atheism is the better path. Now, if you experienced one of those versions of God, and I've said this uh, in prior podcasts, perhaps at some point when you're ready, Maybe you could take the challenge of believing in a different version. In the one we just talked about. The one who loves in an intense and passionate way. The one who pursues. Um... The one who says, if you're still worried about whether or not I love you, you need to grow in love. If you're still worried about the day of judgment, you need to grow in love. If you're still worried about all these things, it's because you've not been perfected in my in my love yet. And there will be a million ways that we can explain this. And there'll be a million ways that we can turn this around and say, yeah, but, right? And, and that's the, um, the beautiful and the unfortunate thing uh, about the Bible. Okay, is that we are given enough ammunition in this collection of letters to really uh, erect the God of our preference. Now, I'm not saying that the Bible is convoluted, and I'm not saying that the Bible is confusing, and I'm not saying, you know, any of that kind of thing. But what I am saying is uh, there's enough rope there, right, to hang yourself. And so... Certainly some gravitate towards a more, a God of great retribution. Others gravitate towards a God that before the foundation of the world, uh, pre-chose, right, who was going to make it to heaven and who he was going to send to hell. Now, let's be emphatic about that. Who God was going to take with him and who God was going to shove in the pit, right? Uh, some erect a God that is uh, that saves the entire world, right? He saves everybody. The work on the cross is more powerful than the work of Adam, and uh, the uh, the uh, cross of Christ is a complete work, and everyone goes to heaven. So we all have these different gods that we kind of erect in in our well, as Peter Rollins said. Um, we build a God in our own image, right? Uh, he's got a book called The Idolatry of God that is, um, it's really an excellent read and, and you should check that out. But in the book, he talks about how each one of us um, create our own idol and then we call it God. Each one of us erect our own version and then we call it God. And I think that we're all subs- you know, in some way susceptible to that. But what we have to do is, without getting too long-winded here, we have to find, I think, um, the meta-narrative of whom God is. As you read the scriptures, who, it, what's the prevailing thought in the New Testament particularly? What's the prevailing thought of who God is? And it's, it's love, right? It's the, it's the um, Jesus is the image of the unseen God, right? 
Um, and so what the scripture saying is, hey, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so this guy, Jesus, is uh, the woman caught in adultery. Uh, you know, where are your accusers? Uh, and uh, I, I'm not going to accuse you either. Jesus is the one who, when Peter betrays him, he pursues Peter, not the other way around. Jesus is the one who, um, you know, eats with the most reprehensible of people, loves the most reprehensible of people, and nobody seems to be out of the circle with Jesus. Nobody's seen it never with Jesus. It never seems to be this us versus them or this us and them mentality. But instead, whether it is Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, who's a, you know, they're a good Christian family. <laughs> Not really. They were Jewish, but you know, they're believers, right? Or a Roman soldier who is nothing more than a pagan doesn't even believe in our God. And Jesus heals his servant. And Jesus is more than willing to go to his house. Now, in that day and age, uh, just so we have uh, a clear, I think, cultural understanding here, to go to someone's house was to make the statement, I'm with them. This is why the centurion says, no, 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 you can't come to my house. You, you, know, you can't do that because it's a statement. It's a statement by Jesus saying, I accept the invitation. I'm going to this house. These are my people. And the centurion knows that's trouble for him. So he says, don't do that, right? But Jesus still, you know, he heals the servant. He's willing to go because there's not this us versus them type of thing. And, and the reason that I say all that is because so many of us are still uh, trying to experience God from the outside. We're still trying to reach God from the outside. We're still trying to accept the love of God from the outside. And until you realize I'm in the family, I'm, as the Bible says, grafted onto the vine. I am a child of God. I am redeemed. I am, uh, you know, the divine is connected to me. The divine is in me. And you begin to accept God's love from the inside, from the point of view of being connected. And you begin to love others from the point of view of being connected. It's a transformative thought process. Um, yeah, you know, we could go on, and I, and I, I don't think I want to go there because it begins to, to sound insulting, but I believe Jesus died for the whole world, everybody. Uh, to the very least of these, to use a word from the holy text, <laughs> the very least of these. And uh, 
if we could get past the idea of separation, we could get past the idea of dualism, duality, and see um, the whole world is a temple. Every breath is sacred. Every human being the idea, the creative work of God. None of us are throwaways. None of us are irrelevant. None of us have gone so far that we're out. But instead, the incredible, unconditional love of God permeates, overcomes, never fails, 1 Corinthians, never fails. Yeah. So that's it, man. Thanks for hanging out with me. A little bit of an impromptu here. uh, So hopefully I didn't ramble. Sometimes I ramble. Uh, not, Not very often, though, but sometimes I ramble. So hopefully that's not the way it came across, man. I uh, have several guests lined up. I will see when we can work them in the schedule. You know, it's such a crazy time of year, man. It starts to... uh, it just starts to get tough to find time for everybody's schedule to work out. But we're going to do some more cool stuff. Anyway, I am out of here. Uh, if you dig this podcast, let me know. want to hear from you. Uh, the Black Sheep Experience. Well, I think it's Black Sheep. Uh, the, it's either, I think it's the Black Sheep Experience at gmail.com. Uh, also, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Twitter, jump on there, dude, retweet, do what you have to do to make that happen, and uh, yeah, the black sheep experience at gmail.com, and uh, yeah, do that, tell people you're listening, all right, man, I'm out of here, see you later, done.